Hi, I'm Rocky Lou of Rocky Lou Productions. This podcast is the second in a series of stories by Amber Lockridge. The collection, entitled Obruni, documents Amber's time as an exchange student in Ghana, Africa, from 2000 to 2001. Today's story, Obruni Co-School, follows a typical day in the life, including routines that offer a sense of pride and comfort, as well as those that raise questions about personal morality in the face of cultural expectations. Though my alarm clock begins singing at 5.30 a.m., the roosters have usually woken me first. The goats soon follow with their terrifying screams and wretches. It's dark out, but I take solace that in 10 minutes, the sun will be up. It's the middle of November, and the sun rises at 5.45. I love Ghana. Stumbling first into my house sandals and then into the kitchen, I retrieve the straw handheld broom and head for the living room. Then, like every morning, I bend over and sweep all the floors in all the rooms of the house and the outside steps. Afterwards, I dust the windows and chairs. When I first arrived, this took me 45 minutes and left me panting. Two months later, I do it in 30 without skipping a heartbeat, the muscles in my arms standing out as they never have before. At six, I drag a bucket of cold water into the shower to take my bath. There are taps in the house, but the water runs sporadically, never heated, and never in the morning. So bathing consists of cold water, plenty of soap, and a cup. On a good day, I've cleaned and primped and ironed my school uniform by 6.30. The rest of my family is now up and about. My younger sister, Boatema, has left boiled oats on the stove and is probably out buying a loaf of fresh bread. My youngest sister, Abena, is a vivacious two years and is generally walking around and screaming for my 19-year-old sister, Mamiaba, to come and bathe her. The eldest sister, Ama, is a seamstress with wild, crazy hair that stands straight up from her head in the mornings. My mother seems to spend most of the morning yelling at Boatama to hurry up. Boatama. There are six of us all together and all female. The house is alive with activity, and I've never felt so fortunate. At a quarter to seven, I walk down the road to meet my friend Anita, and we head off for school. We walk a good ten minutes to the nearest street junction. People are everywhere. Women are selling cocoa, ball fruit, and fried plantain. Children are playing in the street, and a long parade of men has lined up outside the public toilets. As we pass, the children call out, Bruni, a shortened form of Obruni, a term for white foreigners. At the junction, we board a trotro to school. This is a kind of small bus into which the driver packs passengers like sardines. The fares, however, are cheap, and it's the most popular way to travel. My school, 
Archbishop Porter Girls Secondary School is a Catholic boarding school, though I am a day student. Consequently, there is Mass for 45 minutes every morning, which always includes a Bible reading. Each class lines up in the courtyard. We must look like stalks of corn in neat, even rows with our golden-colored skirts and cream cotton blouses. Morning assembly also includes group recitation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As I mumble along, I wonder for the hundredth time if my hypocrisy is ruder than my abstinence would be. I'm similarly ambivalent about the national pledge. Do I, in fact, pledge myself to the service of Ghana, my motherland? As a result, I usually mouth the words without saying them aloud. Somehow, that seems like a good compromise. After prayers, the headmistress or headmaster will spend no less than 10 minutes berating us on a seemingly endless list of misbehaviors. When that's through, we are permitted to leave one row at a time while marching in place to the song of the day. classroom, I glance warily at my desk. I know I will be here for at least eight hours, and most of it will be spent sitting on that hard chair. I keep hoping my buttocks will somehow gain calluses, but as always, my rear is sore by midday with four hours to go. The classroom itself is large, but most of the space is consumed by desks. There are 26 girls in my class, all black, with hair cut within half an inch of their heads. I am their Barbie doll. Inevitably, one girl or another will plate and make up my hair for me by the end of the day. We are the Form 2 Visual Arts Girls with a notorious reputation for garrulousness. And without doubt, these girls like to talk. Ghanaians in general gossip more than Minnesotans, but this is the furthest I've ever seen it. Such and such a girl looked sideways at such and such a teacher, and the headmaster saw it but hasn't said anything yet. The rumors never seem to stop and I've had to correct facts about myself more than once. Ideally, the teacher should arrive at 8, but then we're on African time. No one is worried if he hasn't arrived by 8.20, and it's at least not surprising if he doesn't come at all. There are never substitutes, and the teachers seem to pick their own hours. I have yet to see an entire class held on a Friday. Fortunately, our math teacher arrives this morning sometime after 8. As he walks in, the class rises to attention and greets him formally. He demands chalk from the school prefect before telling us to sit down. Mr. Kofi is a small man with red eyes and a lot of energy. When he talks, 
It's as though he has so many words and thoughts bouncing around in his brain, it's all he can do to force them out of his mouth. The words tumble out rapidly on top of each other while he stutters and makes wild gestures with his hands. Unfortunately, he's easily irritated, and the girls have great difficulty with math. He spins the lessons, jumping around, throwing chalk, and shouting, Don't you know anything? I don't know what's wrong with you girls. You don't use your heads. At first, I was shocked that he insulted the class so often, but in fact, most of the teachers behave that way. We counteract it by laughing constantly. The worse the offense or punishment inflicted, the more we laugh. It's the only way to avoid being completely discouraged. The next class is agricultural science. The teacher is older, more subdued, but also more dangerous. He is liable to slap a girl for not paying attention. In all, there's far less laughing in his classes. But he has a manner that commands respect, and I enjoy his classes more than any other. He starts by delivering a short lecture on, for example, poultry housing. You are not allowed to take notes during this time, on the principle that you should be listening intently. Coming from an American school system, it took me a long time to understand how seriously teachers consider this. Next, he answers general questions on the lesson. Finally, he gives word-for-word dictation, which we all copy diligently into our notebooks. This is necessary because there are so few available textbooks. Everything you learn comes straight from the teacher and your notes. All of the classes proceed with this general format, but their order changes each day of the week. The system works in such a way that the science classes come once a week and the art electives two or three times. School closes at 2.50 p.m., but day students are not allowed to leave until 4. I usually slip off to the air-conditioned computer lab to relieve myself of the intense heat and humidity. There are 10 computers, recently donated, no internet access. Solitaire, however, never quite loses its appeal. When the bell rings for closing, I meet Anita at the gate and we board a trotro towards home. As we lazily walk from the junction, I admire the colors of Africa. The dirt is brick red with trees everywhere, bright green fronds and tall, leaning palm trees. My town, Takarati, is on the coast, so a good ocean breeze is usually blowing. Young and old alike greet the two of us as we pass them on the road. Anita and I gossip about the day, or often we discuss politics. Ghana will hold presidential elections on December 7th, 2000. Because President John Jerry Rawlings is stepping down for the first time since the country gained its independence from Britain in 1957, it will also be the first time Ghana will change its government through a democratic process. Conversations are usually heated. At home, I wash the dust from my feet and change into a brightly colored skirt and tank top. 
If there are dishes in the kitchen, I wash them before settling on the veranda for a quiet moment to watch the sellers pass by with buckets balanced on their heads. Eventually, I am dragged into a game by Abna, and we both practice our fonti by pointing at objects and naming them. In soup, water, in katsie, peanuts, apple chin, goat. A meal is ready around 6.30 p.m., though it was started long before then. Tonight, it is fufu and a banquan, palm nut soup. The soup is made from the juice of pulverized palm nuts together with crab and fresh fish. The fufu is made by boiling cassava root and plantain. These are laboriously pounded with a large stick and mortar until they form a dough-like substance. The final product is divided into balls and dipped into the soup before swallowing. No chewing. I eat with my hands like the rest of my family, though we do not eat together at the table. It's not my favorite meal, though a Ghanaian specialty. I prefer kinke, a sharp-tasting, paste-like ball wrapped in banana leaves. Mm -mm. For main meals, Ghanaians tend to alternate between a few primary dishes. Most of these consist of a carbohydrate, such as cassava or yam, eaten with a variety of tomato and hot pepper-based stews. Fish is a part of almost every meal. My mother and I share a special tradition of watching the news at 7. At her insistence, we are the only family members that never miss a night. She likes for me to translate the British accented English into Ghanaian accented English. She also likes to talk at the TV, and the laughter among us is continuous. Abna never fails to point out the white people who appear on the screen. Mama, look, it's Auntie Kukua. Kukua is my African name, meaning Wednesday born. Abana has adopted this name for all white people. My evening activities vary. Often I study or work on a drawing for my art classes. Occasionally I visit my friend Ato for a lesson on Fonti. Okay, so how do you form a past participle? At nine o'clock I bathe and head for bed. The sea breeze blows through the windows, and I can hear people out walking or dogs barking. The hum of the sewing machine never stops, and I'm rarely awake for long after my head hits the pillow. I don't keep a diary in Ghana. I don't want to be reminded of the bad memories. Instead, I find that each day is full enough to live continuously in the present. It's an African way of life. And I only hope there's no turning back. Obruni Coast School was written and read by Amber Lockridge. The theme music is Apatampa from Ghana Rhythms of the People CD, used with permission from Multicultural Media. This podcast was recorded and lovingly cultivated by Rocky Lou Productions. If you like this, Come and see what else we're working on at RockyLooProductions.com.